It's Monday, November 5th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Chennai, India. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the book of Acts, and we are joined by David Wooten, our Florida State Director. Join us as David walks us through Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It's Monday here on the Defender Podcast, and that means we are continuing through our Bible study in the book of Acts. Today, we come to the conclusion of Acts chapter 2 beginning in verse 42. The Bible says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. If you joined us last week on Monday for the Defender podcast, Herbie walked us through that episode of the day of Pentecost in the early church when the Holy Spirit came down and the Lord added to the church 3,000 people. Can you imagine in one day your church adding 3,000 people? But that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. And so now we see the result of that. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon a people? How does he change and transform their hearts corporately? And this passage that we just read talks about the unity that the Holy Spirit produces when he comes upon his people. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a pastor in the 20th century in London, and he said the glory of the gospel is that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. And so here we have in this passage the church devoted to or persisting in four things. So one of the marks of a Holy Spirit-produced unity is that there is a devotion to the Lord and to one another. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. So individually and congregationally, I think we have a tendency to to love God or love others uh, more than the other. For example, we we might uh, have a natural tendency to love God but not, not be so great at loving others. Or we may be people people and have a great heart and love for others, but sometimes our love for God is not what it should be. I've discovered that when we are out of fellowship with one, we will soon move towards being out of fellowship with the other. So if you're out of fellowship with the Lord, 
it won't be too long before you are out of fellowship with others. And if you're out of fellowship with other people, it's not too long or it may already be an indication that you're out of fellowship with the Lord. So what did these early believers devote themselves to? They devoted themselves to hearing and learning the Word of God, the teachings of Christ through the apostles. I think this may be the most important factor in looking for a church home is finding a church that teaches the Word. I think too often we we look to secondary things when we're looking for a church home. We look for music style or kids' activities or location or convenience. But the most important factor that we can consider in looking for a church home is, does this church preach the Word of God? Am I going to be fed the Word of God here? These early believers were devoted to the hearing and learning of the Word of God. They devoted themselves to fellowship. You've maybe seen the bumper sticker that says, the family that prays together stays together. I think it's also true that the family that plays together stays together, enjoys one another, uh, likes to be around each other. And that was certainly true of this early church. They committed themselves to sharing life with one another in fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. I think that means several things. I think they were sharing meals together. There's something about sitting around and sharing a meal together that draws our hearts towards each other and facilitates conversation and gets ourselves involved with uh, the lives of others. I think this also means that they were devoted to communion. They were devoted to the Lord's Supper. They devoted to breaking bread around the Lord's table and how significant and important that is for any local church. They were also devoted to prayer, to crying out and seeking the Lord in earnest, urgent, fervent prayer. And so these early disciples were devoted to the Lord and to one another through these things. A second evidence of a Holy Spirit-produced unity in this early church was selfless action on behalf of others. It says that they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So they are caring for each other, taking care of each other. And uh, Kent Hughes was a pastor at Wheaton Church for many years, and he said, Fellowship costs something in the early church. In contrast to our use of the word fellowship today, fellowship is not just a sentimental feeling of oneness. It's not just punching cookies. It does not take place simply because we are in the church hall. Fellowship comes through giving. True fellowship costs. So many people never know the joys of Christian fellowship because they've never learned to give themselves away. The truth is, we will have fellowship only when we make it a practice to reach out to others and give something of ourselves. These early believers um, in this first century church were committed to selfless action on behalf of one another. Another mark of Holy Spirit-produced unity is that they were intentional about gathering and scattering. Uh, It says in Acts chapter 2, that day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. These early believers were committed to gathering together for corporate worship. 
The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. John Piper says when a church forgets that it exists for others and for God, it becomes ingrown and self-satisfied and can go on year after year like a social club with a religious veneer. But its life is ebbing away. And people are no longer saying, look at all their good deeds and the humble spirit of love in which they are done. Their God must be a glorious God of encouragement. Too often, our churches have become our social activity calendar and not the intentional gathering together of the people of God to enter into worship. That was the mark of this early church. They were gathering together to lift their hearts and voices and minds together as one to God in worship. Well, what is the result of this kind of gospel unity? The Bible says in verse 43 that they were all filled with awe. There was a sense of wonder and uh, uh, just a delight in the majesty of God in their midst. The Bible says in verse 46 that they were joyful. Verse 47, that they were praising God, that God gave them favor with the people, and that the Lord was adding to their congregation day by day those who were being saved. And so this kind of gospel unity happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon a people. Let us pray for our local churches that God would come in a new, fresh visitation in power by his Holy Spirit and grant us the kind of unity that the early church knew here in Acts chapter 2. Well, thanks, Willie. And this week, we are praying for the country of Brazil. We are praying that the local church and missionaries residing in Brazil will be united, encouraged, and just emboldened for the sake of the gospel to the people of Brazil. We're praying for truth and conviction for the people of Brazil. There is a great amount of poverty, uh, liberalism, and societal issues that impact the people of Brazil. We're praying for the leaders of the country as they make new laws that would protect the rights of children in their care. We're praising the Lord for our new family in the program and uh, the other families who have completed their home study and dossier process. Pray for our two families who are, are pursuing uh, uh, distant family members who are living in Brazil. Pray for families that are home with their children and are continuing to disciple them and share the gospel to them. Pray for mission-minded families who want to pursue adoption from Brazil. And pray for the children who are in care of uh, Seja and, and the children who are living on the streets, that God would reveal himself to them, provide for their needs, and bring their past across other believers that would help care for them. Uh, we just ask that you would pray for our team on the ground, for, for Josh, for Big Daddy, for, for Beth, and for Farah. We pray for Marcia and Marcos, who are a team on the ground there in Brazil, and for our in-country attorneys, that they would feel supported as they continue to advocate for the children of Brazil. And, and pray for the workers at ACAF and Seja, the central authority, as they make decisions that are in the best interest of these children that are in their care. Let's pray to the God of heaven, who hears on behalf of the children and the people of Brazil. Lord God, we ask that you would make yourself known to the people of Brazil, that you would 
reveal yourself to them in just manifold ways. Use your people called by your name to make the gospel known. Lord, we thank you for friends like Billy and others who are Brazilian nationals who have been called to ministry to make and manifest the gospel to the people of Brazil. We pray for our team, Marcia and Marcos on the ground, that you would encourage them, equip them, and undergird them by your great care and your gospel. We pray for our team here, for, for Josh, for Beth, and for Ferry. This, they just serve you in so many uh, great capacities here at Lifeline, but also around the nations and particularly in uh, relation to this country, Brazil. We pray for the churches to be strengthened, for the governments to, to make laws that would protect children, but most importantly, for your great name to be heard. From the orphanages, to the streets, to the byways, to the highways, to the jungle, to the Amazon, that the name of Jesus Christ Christ would be preached and would be made known and that your gospel, the gospel of this kingdom would change the people of Brazil. In your great name, we pray the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.